All right, welcome back in from Thanksgiving break. We are back. It is the RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. I'm AJ Hoffman. He is Griffin Warner. Griffin, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you, all the listeners. Uh, hope you guys had a smooth week um, with no troubles. Yeah, I hope you all got like $200 60-inch TVs on Friday. I mean, listen, everybody's got their priorities. Um, we, I didn't get a $200 TV because I lost my best bet again. So that drops my best bet record on the pod, Griffin, to a pathetic one and three to start the season. So uh, yet last week we were 500 as a crew. Uh, I, you were two and one. I was one and two. Um, how did you, how did your best bet go this week? Unfortunately, not great. Um, it was a all and out losing podcast week for the team. Um, but you know, don't beat yourself up. It's early in the season. We're going to have many more of these to go. Uh, and we're going to be shooting for getting over 500 as our first step. And then, uh, continuing up to the moon. Well, I, I, like I said, I got a good feeling about this week's best bets. So let's get into the big games and then we'll hit those at the end. All right. I hope you got, I hope we got winners this week. And that's all I can say. Uh, let's get into the big games. And there's a lot of big games this week because it's big 10 ACC, uh, weekend and, or week. And they've got some juicy matchups. I think all of all four of our big games come from that series where the, uh, the, the the Big Ten has historically owned, which I guess is something to think about when you're handicapping these things. But uh, let, let's get into There's a game tomorrow night. They're kicking off early on Monday. So when you get this podcast on Monday, there's a game that night. It's Iowa favored by a point and a half on the road at Virginia. What do you think, Griff? <laughs> I'm pretty surprised, I got to say. Um, Iowa have, I mean, two years ago, three years ago, this line would be a joke. Um, but Virginia have fallen pretty far. Uh, are off to a pretty poor start. I think had a good bounce back win against Providence, but um, ultimately I'm wondering if the luster has worn off Tony Bennett's program. Um, they're still the the, de- the defensive team that you would expect them to be, but um, doesn't seem like they've got a lot of NBA talent on their roster right now. Um, Iowa is, is a big question mark to me though, um, to be a, f- a road favorite in ACC gym that sh- probably should have a decent, uh, crowd tomorrow night just seems a little bit questionable to me, uh, especially w- considering what they lost with Luca Garza's. I don't know if he won Player of the Year, but he was some people's Player of the Year, that's for sure. Uh, and having to replace a lot of a lot of players, they still have plenty of talent. Keegan Murray, a, a stretch four, has kind of emerged as a young phenom that might go to the NBA much sooner than people expected. Uh, but Fran McCaffrey, head coach, is relying on two of his sons who might have been. Uh, or might be playing on a level that they probably don't deserve. Um, and, and I just don't see a lot from the Iowa team. So currently, I, I, right as the podcast was starting, I was actually looking at the lineups for this one, trying to figure out what Iowa is doing favored right now. But to be truthful, uh, Virginia was an underdog to Providence uh, on a neutral in a tournament just this past week. So uh, it's very possible I need to kind of adjust what I'm thinking about Virginia, but I know they're going to play defense. I know Iowa is going to struggle on that end and ro- road teams that are favorites uh, that don't play defense are, are a wounded animal in this sport. Yeah. Virginia is sort of riding the ship. It seems after losing two of their first three, but both both of these teams are about to see something they haven't seen so far this year. I- Iowa, I mean, they have, they've, 
played lower level competition basically every game and and you could probably lock it in that they're not going to go over 100 points for the fourth time this season uh in this one I, I think that virginia will hold them under 100 but that's what they're doing i mean they're just running up and down the court they're making wide open shots they they're they're basically just practicing right now and they've looked really really good virginia's offense is gross um Jane Gardner, the, who transferred in, has been kind of a breath of fresh air, but they don't have offense from anywhere else. And, it, you know, Gardner had his way inside against Providence last week, but this Iowa team, honestly, they, they're better defensively, I think, than they were a year ago. Uh, Keegan Murray already looks better as a shot blocker and a rebounder without Garza in his way. And let's face Garza was in the way on that end of the floor. That's that's just a fact. He he was a he was a negative on on defense, um, and this is also the first road game of the season for Iowa. So, I, I think this is this is one of those games where it just comes down to who gets the style of game that they want. Right now, I I, I think I trust Iowa a little bit more. I know Iowa's going to make some shots, and I don't know where Virginia's offense comes from, particularly if they if they get behind. Like they, they're not a team that can come back from a you know an early eight, 10 point deficit. That's just not what they're built to do. So uh, I, I, the, the number feels actually about right to me. So I, I'm, I'm not as high on this Virginia team as I was the last couple of years, just because I, I don't see the offense. It's certainly not the offense that they had the year that they won it all. So I, I'm, I'm going to lean toward the offense in this one. Yeah, I, I think, and, and looking at it is a little bit different for me because I'm basically looking at as many leans as I can and trying to cancel out as many as possible. For sure. That good old juice monster gets you. But I think from where I sit, um, I, I believe in defense more than I believe in offense. But I think something that might keep me away from actually, from actually pushing the submit button in Virginia is that fear that their offense just might put up 45 points and, and you can't beat Iowa scoring that few. All right, let's uh, let's look at the next game in this this challenge. Florida State projected here is plus seven at Purdue. What do you think of this one? Well, so I, th- I think we talked at length about Florida State earlier on this podcast uh, before they played Florida, and, and that was a kind of a big surprise, a second-half collapse for a team that, that I thought was going to overwhelm, and I think probably you, you kind of – felt along the same yeah. lines that that Florida State were a better team. They dominated that series. So that was a, a big surprise to me. It kind of made me step back and reevaluate what I'm expecting from Florida State. I think and, and I went through my like ledger from the last few years and and I it just seems like I, I don't do very well on either side of Florida State. So maybe you want to take this with a grain of salt. Um, but at least trying to analyze who they are. They're a really deep team that are going to try to press you and, and cause problems. Uh, by causing turnovers and, and basically using as much as they can on their bench to really put pressure on the opponent. Now, Florida State are, I think, going to struggle offensively with a lot of good defenses because they they really, I think, thrive on, on easy buckets. And I'm not sure that they get those from Purdue. I also have kind of tried to throw out a lot of leans that go against Purdue at Mackey Arena because they are one of the most dominant home teams 
around and it's hard for me to explain why their shots go in at such a higher rate at home versus on the road a crowd helps familiar surroundings etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, but Purdue are one of those teams where once the ball gets rolling in that gym it, it's really scary and I think Florida State are an, like at a price that I normally want to support them or look into backing them but I think it's one of those things I, I really need to see the Florida State offense uh, performing and doing it consistently against good competition and I don't think we've seen that yet this year. I think Purdue is just better than I thought they were. And Florida State, they've already had a couple of questionable performances. Like getting smashed by Florida, okay. I mean, I didn't see that coming, but it happened. But then Tulane and like they went their last game, they were in overtime with Boston University. Boston's fine. Like they're a fine Patriot League team. But Florida State's not supposed to be going to overtime with Boston U. They're not supposed to be beating Tulane by you know less than two possessions. Uh, it, it, Purdue has some of the things that that you need to beat Florida State. You need to have enough ball handlers to to avoid the pressure that they're going to throw at you, and you need to have you know big athletes. And Purdue has both of those things. Uh, the Boilers rebound on both ends. And Florida State, they don't even try to get offensive rebounds. Once the shot's up, they're 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 assuming it's going in. Colin Castleton had his way down low against Florida State. I don't see where the Knowles have an answer for Edie in this game. Uh, Hamilton, you mentioned Mackey, and it's a, a great home court advantage. It should be rocking. And Hamilton teams have historically just been weaker on the road. This number, like it, it you know, and it, this number may end up pushing up towards double digits. So I, I don't think I'm looking to to play Purdue. Although, man, you would have thought Purdue coming off the games, you know, like coming coming off big wins, you'd think, oh, this is a, a letdown spot for Purdue. And, you know, after wins over North Carolina and Villanova, and then they beat Omaha by like 60 points. So they could have had a letdown there. They didn't. This, I just think they're very good and uh, very focused. So I, I, if I had to make a play on this one, it's it's Purdue or pass for me. I, I don't I don't want any part of this Florida State team right now that just feels really inconsistent. Yeah, I think uh, they need to prove it to us. Um, they're replacing a lot of players. It's it's old hat for Leonard Hamilton, but. Ultimately, we don't ever really know or have an insight into who's coming into the program and, and kind of what they're gonna gonna do once they get in there in a bigger role. And I think uh, they're probably gonna be a team we want to look to later in the season. But I I think we stay far away from a Florida State lean if you got one. So this next game, the Kin Palm line, Bart Tort, like everything says that Ohio State is going to be a short favorite at Duke. I I am I cannot believe that's going to be the case or, or Duke at Ohio State. Pardon me. Um, I I don't think that's going to be the case. I think this will probably be a pick 'em at, at at worst for Duke, um, especially coming off the game that they just had against Gonzaga. So I, I think that they they're going to get a lot of love. So if you want them, if you think you're going to get Duke with a plus next to them, you better be waiting at the circa counter when the lines open. I, otherwise, I don't I don't think you're going to see it. But it, let's let's just say for the purposes of this that do, we'll just call it a pick 'em game. Um, Banchero was really good against Gonzaga, but Mark Williams was kind of the star of the show in that game. And I think multiple bigs who are useful <laughs> could be a real problem against Ohio State, who who are they're kind of lacking in that department on the defensive end. Uh, if you remember the Xavier game, Jack Nunji just kind of controlled the game 
for X uh, down low, and and Florida got what they wanted on the interior. I think if if Duke can limit Liddell on the offensive end, the way that they limited Timmy for most of that game, I, I don't really know where the Buckeyes get scoring from if if EJ Liddell's not going to put up his points. And I, I think Duke's going to have some. They're going to have some scoring inside. I just don't know who that next guy can be that steps up for Ohio State. Yeah, I think you've summarized Ohio State uh, in a nutshell. Um, no pun intended, or maybe there was. Um, I, I think EJ Liddell is how he goes is how Ohio State goes because I, I don't think he has enough around him. Uh, Aaron's can make three pointers, but I feel like that's like. I think I, I heard some on one of the broadcasts I was watching of them that like 75% of his shots in his college career are from three point land. So um, they, they're going to try, I think, to add some more ball pressure on point guards and things. But uh, Duke, are, they're used to this. Um, and, and I was really impressed even going back to their opener. Uh, I took Kentucky against them, uh, getting three points on a neutral. I think at MSG was where it was played. And uh, pretty impressed by the Duke freshman that came in, like knew that they would be as strong as ever, but was really kind of Kentucky had gone a little bit older and tried to kind of play that transfer game. And I, I thought Duke's freshman looked really good in the opener. They, they've been after that had a pretty soft schedule. And I was like, uh, this is going to be a real turn up in, in competition for them. And, and they went to Vegas and and beat Gonzaga. Uh, hard to I'm, I'm not a Duke fan by any means, but hard to deflect any positivity about that. It's it's pretty impressive to me to to beat a team that even though I think you and I both said that we thought Gonzaga was going to take a step back from last year's like perfect team essentially, um, but still really impressed by that victory. Uh, I do, I do think Liddell is going to be the biggest uh, person to to really focus on. I'm sure Coach K will have a plan for it. Whether he puts Mark Williams in his seven foot length on him or uses Banchero. I don't know if Banchero is a good enough defender for that type of assignment, but I think they could kind of hide Banchero, putting him on on Young or, or Key or, or do some sort of flip. I, I'm sure Coach K has the ideas on, on how to do it. And um, I, I agree with your sentiment on the line as well. Uh, it seems to me like Ohio State uh, were favored at Xavier, as you mentioned, that, that matchup. Um, but I think especially coming off a win against everyone's darling Gonzaga uh, with Duke being if if Gonzaga is not your darling, then Duke is. Uh, I would imagine they're closing a favorite. And that in terms of what to play on this on this matchup, I think that makes me interested in Ohio State um, as a home underdog. But I, I think that's about where that goes, because I just if EJ Liddell has a poor night, I don't know how Ohio State even hangs in this matchup. And that, that's a big concern for me, unless you see the home court advantage there being being something really, really significant. All right, let's take a look at one last big matchup for this weekend. Michigan, we're going to project at minus four against North Carolina. What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, so, you know, trying to figure out a little bit about these these clubs, I, I feel like Michigan changed a lot from, from last season. Uh, got blasted by Arizona um, and had that kind of close loss at home to Seton Hall. And those are their, two of their bigger competitions. I mean, they did play UNLV, who is, I think is in a, a rebuilding type of trying to get back to being a, a – a forgotten power that they used to be. And, and I have questions really about who this Michigan team is. I, I think Hunter Dickinson came back, uh, which was a big surprise to a lot of us. And we kind of expected this to be kind of uh, an easy year uh, for him. And it, it really hasn't seemed to be that way yet. Cause I think he doesn't have enough around him that uh, defenses are able to, to really focus on him. Uh, North Carolina, as I'm sure we've seen for years and years and years, anyone listening to this podcast probably knows this, that they have a stable of big men. That's basically what their program is built on. 
And I, I feel like they have plenty of fouls to throw it at Hunter Dickinson and, and really adding in some of these, these transfers. They never had the stretch four or like even the five man that can shoot like Dawson Garcia has so far for him, uh, Marquette transfer. So I, I'm looking at trying to figure out where Michigan deserves to be favored at this level. Uh, and as a four point favorite projected by the, the AJ Hoffman Swami, um, I, I'm just curious to see how that, that line even sticks there. I imagine it comes down and I think any way you can get UNC as a dog here, I, I think is a really, really good idea uh, for anyone that's trying to be a value better at this point. I, I'm with you on this. I, I don't like that, you know, and, and again, this is basically me looking at some of the, basically what the lines makers look at because that's what they do. They just look at Ken Palm and say, this is, oh, this, this is what the number should be because they're too lazy to do it themselves. But I, I'm, I don't see why Michigan should be favored against this team. Both of those showings, you know, you, you mentioned the the Seton Hall game, which we broke down, and I think we both liked Seton Hall. Actually, I made money on Seton Hall in that game. Good for you. But I didn't pre- I didn't see Arizona blowing them off the floor the way they did, and that kind of just opened my eyes. I, I and I started digging in a little deeper, and I mean, it, Buffalo, you know, UNLV, who you mentioned, like a, a sort of a uh, a, a semi road game. They didn't look great against Tarleton State. And this North Carolina team is no joke. And and one thing that Seton Hall and Arizona have in common is they, they – and Seton Hall you wouldn't think because you think of them as a big plotting team, but they're actually a, a pretty quick tempo team. And North Carolina is going to push, push pace. And the two teams that beat North Carolina – Purdue and Tennessee, I, I think, are two of the best teams in the country. Like I, 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 and not to say that the two teams that beat Michigan aren't very, very good. I, I mean, I, I think Seton Hall and Arizona are both really good, and I think Arizona's Arizona may surprise a lot of people by the time we get to the tournament. But I, I don't know that I've seen enough out of Michigan that they warrant being a, a favorite. At North Carolina, I, I, I can't get there on that. So if I'm if I'm getting anything more than a possession, North Carolina is probably going to be on my card. Yeah, I, th- I think um, I can't imagine that it's going to stick at, at this four number that's being projected. And that's no fault of yours. I mean, we're going off of Ken Palm because that's what books have done for years now. Um, but I imagine if you can grab that type of number, you grab it as quick as you can. Yeah, and, and one thing, I mean, North Carolina is sitting at 49 in Ken Palm, Michigan's 9. And one thing that will stand out to you is North Carolina's played four teams outside the top 200 and two teams inside the top 20, and their record is 4-2. and two. So I think there's, there's going to be a lot of people who say, well, North Carolina hasn't, they haven't beat anybody. But, and really the... The Tennessee game was a little disheartening. If you want to, if you want to tell the story for North Carolina and say, "Oh yeah, they can they they can hang with anybody," because they couldn't hang with Tennessee, uh, who was just making a bunch of shots. Purdue, though, that was actually a pretty competitive game for the most part. Um, and let's also remember those were back to back games. I mean, that was a stretch where they played four games in seven days. So I, I'm I, I think now this this team off of a, a week of rest. I, I like North Carolina. I like the athletes that they've got. Um, and I, I think that they, they, I think they've got a good chance of beating Michigan outright. So maybe, maybe I'll have egg on my face here, uh, about this one, but I, I, I like the Tar Heels here. All right, let's get to best bets. I don't even know who went first last time. We got to figure something out. We got to, we got to make a change. We got to get better at this. Um, 
I'll go first, though, because I'm feeling good about mine. And this, good, line, good. this line is up and available now because the game is tomorrow. It's Wyoming minus two at Cal State Fullerton. You play this thing to three. Um, Wyoming is clamping down on everyone defensively. They were pretty elite on that end last year. And Linder, Coach Linder is kind of one of the it, – it's funny to think about it when you think about them being in Wyoming – but kind of one of these guys who's on the forefront of, of analytics and basically they, they're shooting – last year they shot a lot of threes. It didn't always work out for them, but they realized, okay, we're going to shoot threes. We're going to take away the three. This year they've they've kind of been more of a chameleon, and they're, they're taking away your strength. So if your strength is shooting the three, they're going to they're going to take away that three ball. And if your strength is inside, they're going to take that away and make you beat them the other way. And that's why I like this matchup against Cal State Fullerton. They are dreadful, dreadful shooting the ball, which gives them only one way to score against a Wyoming team that is just not giving up anything inside. Kim Palm projects 70 points for Cal State Fullerton in this game. Wyoming hasn't allowed 65 in regulation all season, and and they've played much more balanced offenses already this season. Uh, Fullerton doesn't deal well with size as evidenced by their game against Santa Clara, where they just they were lost against big bodies and Wyoming is going to keep throwing size at them. Free throws worry me for Wyoming, especially in a game that's that's going to be close. Uh, but the, I, I love the coaching edge and I just love the way this defense is playing. So I'll go Wyoming minus two for my best bet. Yeah, I mean, I've I might have read the same article as you uh, talking about about Linder and, and his embracement, embracing analytics. Um, also, just from a, a market perspective, uh, I was watching them when they went traveled to Washington and winning in overtime. And I think we're uh, getting a lot of respect more than I was expecting from a Wyoming program that had been pretty disappointing for the last few years. Yeah, ever since a, an NCAA tournament run. So um, I've. I've yet to watch Linder uh, in in person or, or watch him work. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I don't I don't mind the pick. I'm I'm hoping that we can uh, get some good juju working so we can try to get on, on the other side of 500. All right, where are you headed for your best bet? Uh, so I'm uh, originally from Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, promise I'm not a homer, but I'm going to be taking the Providence Friars Wednesday night, December first. Uh, they'll be hosting the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Uh, current Ken Palm projection is Texas Tech minus four on the road, and I think that's a big belief in uh, the previous staff, Chris Beard, and the previous roster. Um, Texas Tech, uh, the, the the new coach Mark Adams has really kind of followed in Beard's footsteps and, and played a, a really kind of hilarious schedule so far. Six and zero, and the the best Ken Palm ranked team that they've played is two forty four. Uh, that's a tradition at Texas Tech, and unfortunately, Chris Beard has brought it to Austin as well. Uh, but I think this is going to be a, a rough kind of first step into the deep end for Texas Tech and that they're going to have to really try to figure out who they are as a team uh, working in new bodies. And I, I think Providence is an underrated venue, kind of a, a weird spot to play, and it's going to be trouble for them. Um, I think I'm not sure that wh- where this number goes based on how highly rated uh, Texas Tech is at Ken Palm, but uh, current projections plus four. And, and I'd play PC as, uh, as the Providence Friars as, as long as they're a dog. So anything plus one or above, uh, I'm interested in pulling the trigger. And, and lately I've been looking at first halves, but I, I think we're grading full games on this show. So plus four uh, all the way down to plus one. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on this. Uh, it was actually a game I looked at as well, which although that may not be good. Um, <laughs> 
But yeah, Texas, I mean, Texas Tech, they have just been beating up on nothing. And I think I, I don't remember exactly what their best win was. I, I think it was like a, a SWAC team, though, it may have been the, be- the best win that they had this season. Um, and then we mentioned Providence earlier uh, playing against Virginia. They've also played Wisconsin. They beat they beat Wisconsin. They beat Northwestern, uh, who was another team that I was considering fading this week, too. Um, but Texas Tech, I, I think that what you said about just having a lot of respect from the old guard is is pretty accurate. I mean, I, I don't know what else you could look at and say, oh, yeah, this team should be 11 in Ken Palm. Like, I, I, I think Santos Silva is a, a good player. I, I think Bryson Williams can play, but I, I don't know that there's I, I don't know that there's anything really that says this is one of the, the you know, 15, 20 best teams in the country. I, I don't see that. Uh, so I'm with you. I'm, I'd, I'd love to fade them, especially if you can get Providence as a dog. So I think we got a couple winners here. I think we're, we're on the right track. I like it, Griff. I think you're right. I think you're right. All right. Uh, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate the support. Tell a friend. And uh, we will be back on th- – we'll record our next episode Thursday night. That'll be out Thursday night, Friday morning, depending on how quickly we get it edited. But we appreciate the time, guys, and we will talk to you guys then. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.